The whole idea of wretched man is coming to an end of self, of realizing I have nothing good in myself. There is nothing to commend me to God. And I'm not saved, cleaned up, born again because I did anything. It was total mercy that came to me and met me. The Apostle Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The path into a life filled with Christ is the crucified life, a life marked by profound brokenness and dependency. Those in sexual sin cannot live the crucified life because their lives are marked by self-will and hardness of heart. But It is our testimony, again and again here at Pure Life Ministries, that God is able to transform anyone's life that will earnestly seek him and surrender to the truth that true life is when Christ lives in us. Today we want to help you see that truth more clearly as you seek a new life this year. Thanks for joining us today on Purity for Life. There are two aspects of a Christ-filled life that I'd like for you to listen for today in each of our three segments. The first is a knowledge of the true ugliness of our spiritual condition apart from Jesus. And the second is our utter dependency upon God if we want to overcome. If you're a professing Christian in sexual sin, then you need a much greater knowledge of both of these things because the path into the knowledge of our utter helplessness and his sufficiency is the pathway to freedom from sin. I'll give you some more thoughts on both of those topics in a moment, but first I want to play an interview from our archives with Kathy Gallagher. Listen for these two themes as she discusses what kind of attitude allows God to do his wonderful work. Kathy Gallagher has joined me in the studio. Kathy is the co-founder of Pure Life Ministries. Kathy, it's great to see you again. Thanks for coming in to talk with us. Thanks, Mike. It's wonderful to be here. Kathy, we're going to continue our discussions in Andrew Murray's wonderful book, Absolute Surrender. And in today's chapter, he starts out with this title, O Wretched Man That I Am. And he takes that from Romans 7, 24 and 25, and I'll just read that real quick. O wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from this body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He talks about the reality in this chapter of what it means to come to the place where God can have true freedom to work in us, to move through us, and for us to have, really, his point, to have freedom from our own wretchedness. And he kind of breaks it up using Paul's writing here into four aspects of the man who comes to that place, Mm. and he describes it in four ways. First, uh, the regenerate man. Second, a weak man. Third, a wretched man. And fourth, a man on the border of complete liberty. Mm. Let's Go through those one at a time. Let's look, first of all, at the regenerate man. I will just say I thought this was one of the most balanced and well-written perspective of what it means to be a regenerate man and why the regenerate man still struggles with being a wretched man. I want to read this verse, Romans seven seventeen. It is no more I that do it, 
but sin that dwelleth in me. Mm-hmm. He says here, that is the language of a regenerate man, a man who knows that his heart and nature have been renewed and that sin is now a power in him that is not himself. Yeah. He talks about the regenerate man being one who has a desire to do the will of God. Mm-hmm. And, and I love the way he brought this out, that if you have a desire to do the will of God, a sincere desire, then that is an evidence that God has put something in you. And I just find too many people stuck in that thing with, oh, I've got sin in my life, so I don't belong to God. And I think the enemy uses that oh, yeah. to keep he, us from moving and growing in our relationship with the Lord. Absolutely. He definitely capitalizes on it. This is my testimony for many, many years that I was seeing what was wrong with me and thinking that because I, 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 I mm-hmm. wasn't doing better, there was something wrong with my relationship in Christ. And I learned, and as we'll read through this, that I don't have the power mm-hmm. to live the Christian life. And the condemnation that comes with, I can't do this, mm-hmm. is it's all part of God's process that he takes us through. He doesn't rescue us from that. I know many Christians are in this phase of, why am I still struggling with the sin? And why isn't there any deliverance? Well, there is deliverance, but it's not going to be the snap of a finger. See, the problem is so many of us want to get free so we'll feel better about ourselves spiritually, but that is not God's end goal for Yeah, God's us. got something much more wonderful yeah. that he's bringing us to. Yeah. Well, really, he begins to answer that very question when he talks about the weak man. He says, here's the great mistake made by many Christian people. They think that when there is a renewed will— It is enough, Mm. but that's not the case. Talk a little bit about what he's saying there. I'll tell you what Paul said. I will to do what is good, but the power to perform, I don't find it. This whole process of overcoming, of being delivered, of trusting in Christ is a lifelong process of finding out that we don't have what it takes to Mm -hmm. live the Christian life. We feel like we're insane half the time because— You have the desire to do his will and love him and serve him, and yet you've got this other Mm -hmm. thing going on that's constantly opposing that. Yeah. That is difficult to work out in the brain. Yeah. But it's a reality in the Christian life that I have been born again. I belong to God, but I cannot obey him Mm -hmm. without coming to this place where I know I am a wretched wretched man. And that really is his third point. Talk about what that means. The whole idea of wretched man is coming to an end of self. Yeah. And it's a process, again, of realizing I have nothing good in myself. There mm-hmm. is nothing to commend me to God, nothing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saved, cleaned up, born again because I did anything. It was total mercy that came to me and met me and So when you finally, and I think I found this maybe 10 years ago, I threw up my arms in the air in frustration, some amount of anger, and just feeling the futility of trying to work out my salvation (laughs) in a sense. But I think I came to the point of saying, I am a wretched, wretched man. My heart is black. Mm. I can't do this, Mm -hmm. Lord. I cannot serve you in my flesh. It's impossible Mm. for me to do this. And it was at that point things started to change for me. You know, we talk about the wretched man, and uh, 
I know when I first saw this verse, my, I'll just be honest, my reaction was, oh, great, I'm rich, I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. That's a dangerous place to go. Yeah, that's very dangerous, and I think a lot of people are in that. They just, you know, you get to a point in your Christian journey where you get tired of fighting, you mm-hmm. know? And what we've said up to this point isn't that you quit fighting against exactly sin. Exactly the opposite, actually. Yeah, you don't <laughs> quit fighting it. That's not the point. The point is, is that... You're not going to overcome in your flesh, but you have to keep doing battle. And this is the battle. Mm -hmm. You get tired of it. You want to say, okay, well, Paul said it. I'm wretched. This is all you can expect from me. So plop down in my mire of Mm self-pity and just give over to yeah. it. And they never move into chapter 8 right. of Romans, right. which you is stay. the great hope. Yeah. You yeah, know, they've but... missed the great hope that's being offered to them by revealing their wretchedness. Right. And that is where you just keep going and you don't settle down into the wretched man place. That's not where God's taking you to. He's taking you past that. Yeah, yeah. Andrew Murray refers to this man that has chosen not to make that mistake but has seen his wretchedness. He refers to him as the almost delivered man. Yeah, that's good. Bring us the good news because this is <laughs> this is the glorious news of it all. I'm going to just read what he said. This man has tried to obey the beautiful law of God. He has loved it. He has wept over his sin. He has tried to conquer. He has tried to overcome fault after fault, but every time he has ended in failure. The man who was conscious of his own weakness as a believer will learn by the Holy Spirit that he can live a holy life, but that is how it's done. Mm -hmm. It's the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. When you finally throw up your arms and say, Lord, I am a wretched man. I'm weak. I can't do this. Please help me. In that cry, I don't know what the time frame is. For me, it was a long time. But that cry Mm -hmm. invites the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit starts to come. Mm -hmm. And when you are receiving the Holy Spirit, not have somebody lay their hands on you every three months. It's mm-hmm. not like that. It's walking in the Spirit. It is a constant cry inside. And if you don't have that cry, ask for God to give that cry to you. Ask God to make it real to you that you have to have the Holy Spirit living in you. And the more that you are walking in His Spirit, the less conscious you are of yourself altogether. Mm-hmm. You're not measuring yourself anymore by you're doing good, you're doing bad, you're just walking, you're flowing with the Lord, you're in love with God. I think that probably is the main characteristic is just loving the Lord. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit brings such a freedom inside. Yeah, Paul says it in Romans eight thirteen. he says, what the Holy Spirit does is to give the victory. If ye through the Spirit do mm-hmm. mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Mm-hmm. And it's the Holy Spirit who does it helping me every day, you know, and that's the great victory. One other thing that Paul said in Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is joy in the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And that is true. And until you've come into that fullness, Mm -hmm. you won't know what that joy really is. There's other, you know, maybe minor tones of joy. Little little joys. (laughs) Little joys. But that joy carries you through life, through all the suffering, through all the ups and downs. Yeah. And you mentioned something earlier, because I know people, they'll hear us talk about this and they'll say, man, I don't have that. Well, either do we, Mm -hmm. you know, but God knows you don't have it. Mm -hmm. Cry out to God for it. He wants to do this in us. 
if you have a desire to do God's will and you find yourself continually failing, God is allowing that mm. to, as we've said, to bring you to the end of yourself so that you can be opened mm-hmm. to the filling of his Holy Spirit. Don't fall into despair over your failure any more than the sense that God's using it to bring you to the end of yourself, as, That's right. as you said. Well, Kathy, it's been a joy to talk with you. Thank you for talking to us about, oh, wretched man that I am, and beyond that. Yeah, praise the Lord, Praise Mike. the Lord, amen. Oh, wretched man that I am. That is the cry of one whose eyes have come wide open to the depths of their sin. Now, those who are bound in sin may feel a sense of wretchedness, but often it's nothing more than worldly sorrow, and the depth of their poverty remains hidden from them. I hope Kathy's interview has helped you see that if you're stuck, gaining a more profound sense of your poverty is really needed. But I also want to remind you of that Romans 8 hope as we go into our next segment, because as Rose Cologne sits down with Mike Johnston to discuss neediness, Keep in mind that God is the source of all change. The power to change is never from us. And also, that it is God's eager and ardent desire to make that change in you. Rose Cologne has joined me in the studio. Rose is the Director of Women's Counseling here at Pure Life Ministries. Rose, thanks so much for coming by to talk with me. Thanks for having me today, Mike. Rose, we want to talk today about the cry of the needy. And of course, we all have natural needs. You know, we have the need to to eat, the need for clothing and housing and Mm -hmm. all of those things that uh, as believers, we certainly uh, expect and believe that God is going to meet those needs. Uh, But there's more uh, to our neediness than that, isn't there? Yes, there is, Mike. What I have seen in my own life is that I didn't realize that I had a spiritual need, Hmm. that I needed God desperately in my life. And that reality became my reality when my husband and I were going through certain trials early on in our marriage. And even today, I mean, the Lord will bring different things into my life just to show me how needy I am for the Lord and that I can cry out to him. And I find when I turn to the Lord in that way, he's always there to meet me. Well, I know that very oftentimes God will work for many years in the lives of people to bring them to a place where they see their need. But what you're saying is that that's something we have to stay in. We need to stay in sight of that. Yeah, that's what the Lord has been making real to me over the years, that I can't lose sight of my need. And when I do, he's quick to bring something into my life that reminds me, hey, Rose, Mm. you can't do this in and of your own strength. Really, you can't do this. You really need me. You know, whatever it is he's calling me to do, you just see in your own strength, you can't do it because it's spiritual. Well, you know, Rose, uh, we live in a country, of course, uh, where we kind of had this mentality that, well, I can't be needy. I'm not going to be needy. I'm going to make it on my own. And I think sometimes it can help us as Christians to be honest about our need when we understand how God responds to need. Yeah, one of the things I appreciate about coming here is before I came to Pure Life Ministries, even though I was saved, I was in that mindset that you never let other people know how you're really doing. Mm. You know, you always put up this image that everything is fine, I'm doing fine. And it wasn't until I started seeing my leaders expressing their need for the Lord. And Mm. it was something new for me because I had never been exposed to that. And when I started seeing them living in that reality and that awareness, how much they need the Lord, the Lord started 
showing me that it's okay. Mm. It's okay to be naked in that way. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to let down the facade because I know who you are anyway. What I have found being in this kind of fellowship with other like-minded believers that are not afraid or ashamed to express how needy they are, there's a freedom. Mm. There's a freedom in that because you can be who you are, but at the same time, you're on your face before the Lord yourself or with others Mm. that are acknowledging, Lord, we don't know what to say. We don't know what to do, but we're trusting that Mm. as we're down here at your feet, you're going to impart to us and give us what we need to be able to do what you're wanting us to do. Now, you say you're trusting the Lord. What is it about the Lord's response to our needs that enables you to trust him? Well, in Psalms 12, verse 5, it says, Because of the devastation of the afflicted, because of the groaning of the needy, now I will arise, says the Lord. I will set him in the safety for which he longs. And there's another scripture verse that I love so much that the Lord spoke to me years ago in Isaiah 25, verse 4. It says, For thou hast been a defense for the helpless, a defense for the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shade from the heat. Mm. And it's in those times that you really get to see God. You come into a greater knowledge of who he is, that he's drawn to our need like a magnet. You know, he loves it when there's people that are desperate for him and crying out for him. He loves it. He Mm. loves to just rush right in and reveal himself to them. And it's in those times that what I have found is that your heart breaks because of his goodness. Mm, you yeah. know that, Lord, I don't deserve you to be this near to me. You you break, you know, your heart breaks and you wind up wanting to surrender mm-hmm. more to the Lord, to give up everything for him, you know, because he's so good. I think of the verse, Rose, God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. Mm-hmm. And so there has to be humility uh, in what we were talking about when we began, a humility just in acknowledging I have a need. Right. Uh, and God is drawn to that humility. He yes. is drawn to a needy person. Yeah. In fact, that's his heart. Mm-hmm. It really is the heart of God, and you see that. You see that every time the Lord puts you in a situation where you can't help but see your need for him, mm. you just see that his heart is to reach out mm. to mankind and and to make himself known to them. Mm. It really is his mercy, isn't it, to allow us to come into situations where we can see our needs. It is. It really is. I mean, there's been times I've gone through things or maybe a person has come into my life that's difficult and it's been what hard. What are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> okay, and, I've been difficult. <laughs> and the Lord really uses it to see, yeah, he sure help does. me to see my need. But when I start seeing my need, I'm actually able to start saying, thank you, Lord, for yeah. that situation or that person. How important is it, Rhodes, that we learn to cry out to God because of our needs? It's very important, Mike, because we were created to be dependent on him. And we lost that in the fall. I mean, in the fall, we're just rebellious, independent individuals. But when you are in your right frame of mind and you start seeing things right, according to the scriptures, you start seeing that the Lord has really created us to be dependent on him. Mm -hmm. He's supposed to be Abba Father. Right. And when you think about where his children and he's our father, well, you look at a child and you see how dependent a child is on that father Mm -hmm. to change his diaper, to feed him. He doesn't worry about anything. And that's the place where God wants to bring us to, yeah. you know, and again, a lot of times it's when we're going through something that we see just how helpless we really are. 
that we can reach out to him in that way. You know, you talk about fathers, and of course, there will be some listening to us perhaps that did not have loving earthly fathers. What might you share with them to encourage them that God really does hear the cry of their heart? He really does, because my parents were divorced when I was 10. I was very close with my dad, and when my dad left, I felt like he abandoned me, Mm. and he started a new life and new family and all. And when I first came to the Lord, the first scripture, I forget where it is now, it's in the Psalms, but the first verse the Lord gave me was, when your mother and father forsake me, I, the Lord, will take care of you. For the individual who maybe has been struggling with sexual sin, they want a walk of victory, Uh, they see their need, uh, they're crying out to God, but it also requires that they do something about their sin. Yes, they have to really repent of it. Mm put it away. If we've truly been born again, those old things should die. Mm. They should pass away. All things should be new in our lives. But if we do, if we've seen our need, mm-hmm. uh, if we have believed on what uh, God's promises are, on who he is, if we've cried out to God and if we've repented, then all the power of heaven uh, comes into action, doesn't it? Yeah, to it meet does. Our need. It really does. Yeah. You just see the Lord just... He comes in like a flood. Mm, Amen. And that has been your experience and your testimony. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And I'm sure will be till I die. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hopefully not anytime soon. (laughs) (laughs) Rose Colon, thanks so much for talking to us today about the cry of the needy. Okay. You're welcome, Mike. The inspiration for this show came out of a testimony that I recently felt led to share with the men in our residential program. After the service, Pastor Steve encouraged me to build a Purity for Life episode out of it. So here we are. As you listen to my story, keep in mind all that we've talked about so far today. The need to have a true sight of how wretched we are and the need to depend on God and not ourselves to change that wretchedness. I want to share a little bit of my testimony to boast in the Lord feel like I need to open myself up so that you can see the grace of God. First Corinthians, uh, Paul says, consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Ever since I was a little kid, I was completely obsessed with the female body. I remember, like as a first grader, I would think, are any of my friends like this? Nobody else seems to be so obsessed like I am. I was obsessed with sexual pleasure. I had no goals, no ambitions in my life. I was totally content to just pursue sex. That is all that I cared about. 
I didn't care about anyone else at all. It's not that I hated people, but I had no empathy or sympathy for other people. I was a horrible student in college. My dad spent tens, I mean, like, college was like $100,000. It was like a four-year vacation. I wouldn't go to class. I wouldn't do homework. I was a, like, a, just a loser, no earthly ambitions that normal people have. Like, I want to make something of my life. I, I'd like to do some good in the world. I didn't have any of that. I had no character. There's nothing noble about me. Uh, some of my lowest points. I was dating a girl and eventually I got bored with her and I told her, I don't even remember saying these words, but she told me years later that I told her that I just really needed to break up with her because I needed to really seek the Lord and focus on my relationship with Him. She was devastated, was totally lied to her. Uh, one time I was dating another girl, we'd been spending some time together and she left and so as soon as she left I went to the computer and was looking at other women and she called me and I just ignored the phone call. She kept calling, I kept ignoring it. And later after I was done, I called her. She was so distraught. She had been driving home and a car had uh, come in the other lane, whipped around and was following her with its lights off. She was terrified. She was like, what were you doing? I was trying to call you. And I just lied to her. One time she told me, Nate, I, honestly, I'm kind of afraid to date you because I think if someone attacked me, you would just run. She was right. Just completely devoted to myself at any cost. And yet, I was totally full of self-confidence. Convinced I was a great person. Convinced I was this godly man. People were blessed to know me. I had all this wisdom and understanding. That's what God sought after. <laughs> you know, that was the real me. <laughs> and that's all I would ever be without Jesus. Oh, he sought, he sought after me. <laughs> he brought me to pure life and I was still convinced I was an awesome guy. He led me out on the ridge one day and I just told him, I'm, I, these people are telling me something's wrong with me. I don't see it. So just show me. And he could have just left me in my blindness. but he brought severe discipline and just devastated my life, <laughs> showed me the truth about myself. And I only added sin to sin at that point because I, I didn't break before him. I just tried to be better 
like, okay, all right, if this is who I am, I'm gonna show you that I'm not like this. I'm a great guy. And I tried for months and things just got worse. And I did convince myself that things were changing and I guess I might, must have convinced my counselor that things were changing. I'm not sure exactly what happened. I know it was the Lord looking back. But I had a graduation date and one day there was a service and at the end of the service I was so like I was in a panic and I was telling God if you don't come to me if you don't help me I'm like you gotta help me nothing I have to have you I have to have you I have to have you I was just overcome with this panic and as soon as the altar opened I came up to the altar and as soon as my knees hit the floor it was like God was right there and he said you are a hypocrite and a Pharisee and you have no idea what it means to have a relationship with me and I just broke and I told him I don't know what I'm doing I have no idea what I'm doing you gotta help me please just help me Please help me. I don't know what to do. I've been doing this for so long, I have no idea. So I went into a counseling session and he said, so how are you doing? And out, just out of me came a torrent of confession. I don't know God. I don't know Jesus. I've been trying to. All of these, these guys around me, they're growing, they're changing. I've been trying, but I have no idea what I'm doing. If I leave here, I'm going back to sin. So he gave me a four-month extension after seven and a half months in the program. So a couple weeks later, I went down to the cross and I just told the Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea. I don't even, I don't, I don't know how to know you. I don't know anything. And <laughs> that's when he showed me the cross. He showed me why like what he had to do for me. What he had to do for a person like me, he had to be butchered for me. And that that was hope. And for the first time in my life, I, I got it. I, I, I mean, I didn't get it, really. But I said, okay, I believe you. I believe that, that I, need, I really, really need you. I have to have you. If you're willing to have me. <laughs> and I woke up the next morning. And I was just full, full. Full of love. Full of peace. <laughs> I could see him. Like I could really see him. He was in me. I could see him in my soul. I knew that Jesus was living in me. Looking back, I still have no idea what I'm doing. It's just, you know, it just happens time and time again, just coming back to the cross. Jesus, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to do this. I don't know what it means to have a relationship with you. I, I want to, I want to know you. And he's making me to know him. And he's giving my life meaning. I, I am, it's not just that he's given my life meaning, it's that he is my life. I'm, there's nothing without him. There's no wisdom, there's no 
understanding, there's nothing. And it's taken even 12 years to really grasp the, the depth of that need. And I'm sure it's gonna have to go deeper. I did not wanna come back to Pure Life after I graduated, I'm telling you the truth. I, I knew he was calling me, I did, oh man, it was a fierce battle. Because I knew I'm gonna have to die. I am going to have to die. And I am not looking forward to that. So I prayed, I was like, Lord, you have to help me. Please help me to do your will, please. And after about four days of praying, he changed me. I, man, I wanted to be here so bad. I couldn't wait. And I mean, I'm telling you the truth. There are so many days that I'm like, Lord, why? Why would you bless me like this to be here? I love it. I've loved it ever since that day. I've never, I, there is nothing I would rather do than be here, to be with you, to learn of the Lord. It's hard, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. I couldn't have imagined how hard it would be, but I've, I have loved every minute of it. And that's the Lord, it's Him. And I just, I, I wanna, he said, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And, and you know, to be honest, there have been very, <laughs> man, that grates against me. I, in myself, I don't wanna boast in the Lord. I wanna boast in me. I want to be someone. I wanna be great. I wanna, you know, that's what I want. But he is great. And he has loved me so kindly and so deeply and so self-sacrificially. Every time, every time I've, I've been at the end, at the very end, and have no idea what to do and have no idea how to go forward, he's there. He's giving me new life and making, making following him sweet again somehow. I don't understand how he does it but he does it, and I love him for that. He can do it for any one of us, all of us, if we would just come to him and break before him and, and ask him to make us who we could never be. He, one day we're gonna get to stand before him and just throw everything at his feet. You deserve it all. You deserve all of it. Why would you ever call me? Why would you ever love me? He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. That, that almost feels like, why, why, why would you, how could you say that to a person like me? <laughs> but he's, he's just so full of grace. If you've been trapped in sexual sin, there is absolutely no reason why you cannot be radically transformed by the power of God. The entire message of the gospel is that Jesus Christ came to give his own life to be yours. Yes, that process is painful, 
but it is the path to life. Take courage and pray for the Lord to show you what he sees when he looks at you. Humble yourself and accept what he shows you, and then trust him to be the hope and source to change all of those things and make you like Jesus. That's all for this week's episode. Make sure to join us next week. We'll be starting a brand new nine-part series that is sure to help expose the very roots of the sins that keep us trapped. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.